What's really taking place when icons are used during prayer? Welcome to Episode 10 of What We Believe in Why with pastor, author, and teacher Dr. George Byron Koch. When we concluded last time, we were just beginning a discussion of prayer with the hope that by understanding it better, we may just (laughs) do it more. So what about icons in prayer? Are they supported in Scripture? And if not, are they dangerous? Tackling that weighty question, here's Pastor George. When we finished last time, I mentioned probably the most famous icon in all of history called Trinity by Andrei Rublev. You might be able to find this by searching for it online. Andrei is A-N-D-R-E-I, Rublev, R-U-B-L-E-V. In this icon, Rublev depicts the three visitors to Abraham and Sarah, also present in this vision that he puts on the icon are chairs in which they sit. They're made of gold. Their garments are rich, blue, green, red, and gold. There's a chalice in between them, which is also gold. And the icon is based on the story in Genesis 18, where three men visit Abraham and Sarah, as I said. And they predict to Abraham and Sarah the birth of Isaac. Go and read that story. In fact, read all of Genesis 18 through 22. And then come back and look at this icon. Really look at the icon. You will discover all sorts of intentional features that are not obvious at first glance and whose meanings may not be apparent. But when you know the story and some of the interpretation, it makes this iconic representation of the story into a powerful image that can draw the heart and mind to meditate on the grace and majesty of God. I'll give you one key. The table at which the three sit has an opening in front of it and a channel to the ground below. This is an intentional depiction of the altar in the temple in Jerusalem where lambs were sacrificed an altar created hundreds of years after the events in Genesis 18. And note the chalice, reminding us of what Jesus said about his blood at the Last Supper. The blood from the sacrifices in the temple ran through a drain in the top of the altar and out into the opening, into the channel, and it drained away through the front. The opening and the channel of the altar in the actual temple built by King Solomon a thousand years before the birth of Christ point to Bethlehem. The blood that flows from the sacrificial altar in the temple built by Solomon flows toward Bethlehem. The whole purpose of an icon or a statue, stained glass window or painting is to teach us point us, lead us to something else, God. Do people sometimes confuse the pointer with what it points toward? Of course. But destroying the pointers, icons, statues, and so on, doesn't get us closer to God. This is why iconoclasm failed, and it is why destroying images, and often the people who prayed using them, produced self-righteous satisfaction for the iconoclasts, but little in the way of love, compassion, or a sense of the holy. 
even if the original motivation of the iconoclasts was simply to clear away anything that looked like an idol, even if their idea was mistaken, the action taken by them was a tragedy and a telling example of people and their ways of worship being destroyed for the sake of a passionately held concept. Sadly, to the iconoclasts, their ideas mattered more than the people they attacked. It is a caution we should all keep close to our hearts, not just in relation to icons, but to any of the religious concepts we hold so dear. In defending them and attacking those we disagree with, we destroy objects, concepts, and even people. We need to remember that Jesus said all the law and the prophets depend upon and are subject to the love of God and neighbor. If we harm someone in defense of a religious concept, we have violated Jesus' clear commands and missed something fundamental about the character of our God. So let's ask him to guide our hearts as we continue to study and understand the nature of prayer and its expression in the church. This leads us to what I think is an obvious question. When we pray, to whom? To whom do we pray? And so let's look at a host of additional prayer issues beyond stained glass, paintings, statues, and icons. These range, as I promised, from praying to dead people, saints, and others, to praying directly to God, to confusion about the direction and object of our prayers, the to whom, and odds are there are ways of praying that we all misunderstand and misjudge. As we saw, there may be some people who go into a church and see a statue of Mary and pray to it. But the church has not taught this, not Orthodox, Roman Catholic, or Protestant. Rather, the initial purpose of those statues in the church was to communicate things about God and the people of God to people who couldn't read. Even for those who could read, it was a 3D or picture language, rather than a strictly abstract and notational one, which words are. It is why stained glass windows, paintings, statues, and icons were first created. Additionally, these pieces of art have also provided a point of focus for contemplation and prayer. They were never intended to be the objects of prayer, but rather a reminder for prayer. Have some people over the centuries misunderstood this and imagined a statue itself had power and understanding? Certainly. But the occasional misunderstanding of purpose isn't a reason to destroy this art any more than the fact that people misunderstand Scripture is a reason to destroy Bibles. Some people misunderstand poetry or neighbors or jokes, but that's not a reason to destroy any of those either. That seems pretty simple and straightforward, but it leads us to that related and deeper issue, praying to dead people. Is it okay to pray to dead people? That's a bit blunt and awkward 
and maybe even disturbing when asked that way, but it cuts to the core of the issue. Some Christians pray to saints who are dead people. Other Christians, especially some Protestants, find such an idea incomprehensible, repugnant. But those who don't have a tradition of praying to saints often don't really understand what those who do pray to saints are doing or why. Actually, there are several reasons why people pray to saints. We need to comprehend carefully rather than condemn too quickly. Let's delay judgment until this can be parsed a bit. Saints are usually Christians who have lived exemplary lives, often with special areas of ministry to the poor, the sick, lepers, and so on, and who have died, at least in terms of their earthly lives. After death, the church has acknowledged the extraordinary nature of their Christian lives by designating them as saints. Scripture actually refers to all believers as saints, but the term is also used more particularly to refer to those who were especially faithful Christians. Over the centuries, many in the Orthodox and Roman Catholic churches have made a practice of praying to such saints. So this raises the obvious question, whether such prayer is done before a statue of a saint or somewhere with no statues around at all, does God hear or respond to prayers said to saints? Or do the saints respond? The answer isn't as simple as many Protestants used to think. Let's look at three different ways that praying to saints might be understood. And I want to just remind all of us this is exploration. This is discovery of tradition and history to understand why it's done these ways. We're going to pause and not judge or condemn. We're going to listen regardless of what our own personal experience is so we can understand how it is when others do this. So there are three different ways that praying to saints might be understood. The first is praying to saints for their personal assistance. The second, praying to a saint as an intermediary to God, a facilitator, if you would. And a third is praying to ask a saint to be an intercessor. We'll begin with the first, praying to saints for their personal assistance. Some people believe that each saint has particular and specific areas of interest and power and can respond by acting on our behalf. And before we reject this outright, let's consider some of the testimony of Scripture that seems to support this concept. We'll start with angels. Angels are not humans, nor are they humans who have died and been sent to earth by God on special missions, as the movies would have us believe. They are another order of creation altogether, and they carry out God's will, including communicating with people, performing supernatural acts, and fighting battles, both against other supernatural beings and on behalf of humans. More about prayer when What We Believe in Why continues. 